0: Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. The written word of God, we can study it. We don't have to try to remember what we saw 15 years ago. We can read it every day. We're in Mark chapter 4. Now last week we covered, we ended chapter 3. Chapter 4 has the parables of Jesus, all the Mark. Um, that he had in, in, in his uh, epistle his book rather his, his gospel so let's begin with this parable he began to teach this is verse 1 again by the sea and such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down now, this is normal this is normal for, for Mark, talking this way. It's normal for Jesus to have such a large crowd around him that they were pressing against him, and so the only way he could get some distance between them is, is move out into the water, and they stayed on the land. It says, and the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things. Things in parables and saying to them in his teaching. Let's stop there. Parables. He was teaching them in parables. What is a parable? There's a question to ask when you're studying the Word of God and you, you come across a word, you say, Oh, a parable. What's a parable? And a parable is a figure of speech. And it's basically, if you look it up in Greek, it's, it's, it's from a Greek word, which is a compound word. Which will tell you, the first part of the word, "paral" that that will tell you that there's something that is laid by the side. Okay, near. In other words, near. That's the, that's the word, near. The English word, near. Then, bolos, or balos, is a second part of the word. It means to cast or to place or to put to cast, to place, or put. So putting that word together, it means that you're going to place or put something near. That's what you're going to do in a parable. So a parable is a figure of speech where you have a spiritual truth that you are putting beside a natural example from their everyday lives. That's what you're doing, laying something right beside it, putting it near, And you're comparing it. So the word uh, "parable" is is to compare in in the New Testament. And it's always comparing comparing some moral or spiritual truth with a normal, physical, everyday, natural example that they knew about. So that's why he was teaching this way to the people in one sense. And we'll go through another one in a minute. So let's go down a little further. In verse 10, skip down to verse 10, and it says, As soon as he was alone, now he now remember he's already taught the parable because we just skipped over. It. We'll come back to it. His followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parables. Now, what were they asking him? If we look over in Matthew chapter 13, which is another part of another gospel that has the same Account in it about this parable. And we see in this verse 10, it says, And the disciples came and said to him, the same thing that followers, along with the twelve, were asking him about the parable. And so they came to him and said to him, Why do you teach them in parables? They're asking them a question that they couldn't understand. Why are you doing this? Why are you teaching them in parables? So, what is his answer to that? Let's turn back over to Mark. Let's go to verse 11. And he was saying to them, To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. Now, a mystery is something that's hidden. It's something that's hidden. So it says, it's been given to you that which is hidden or has been hidden or used to be hidden about the kingdom of God. And it was hidden in the Old Testament. And it says now, but I'm revealing it to you. See, it said, but to those outside, they get everything in parables. So while seeing, those people outside the kingdom, they see, but they might not, they, they don't perceive. They hear, but they don't understand. Otherwise, they might return and be forgiven. And this seems like Jesus doesn't want them to be forgiven. But it's not true. It's just they had decided this is what they're going to do. And this is in the Old Testament. uh, And he's bringing that right to the New Testament, applying it to this situation here. They didn't want to know. They didn't want to know. And, of course... Their eyes were blinded because he needed the Gentiles to come in. Because if, if, if the Gentiles didn't come in, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be in salvation. But their eyes will be open at some point in time, the Jews' eyes, and they will see and they will understand and we'll all be one because all have to, all, everyone has to come the same way through Jesus Christ. So when when the fullness of time will come for the the Gentiles, for us, then their eyes are going to be open. Now let's go back to verse 3. Let's see what he's saying here in this parable. Listen to this. So he's telling the crowd now, listen to this. Behold, look, the soul went out to sow. Okay, the soul went out to sow. Now... What was the sower sowing? Now, it tells us in in Luke chapter 8. uh, If you have your Bible, you can turn over to Luke chapter 8. And you'll see the same account also in Luke. And in chapter 8, it will say in verse 5. We're going to go back and forth from Matthew 13, Luke 8, Mark 4. Just in case you want to hold your place. It says here, The soul went out to sow... What what was was he sowing? His seed. His seed. So they understood that, and of course I'm sure uh, those of you who have gardens by your house, and some of you might live on a farm, you might have acres of corn and all those type of things, you you would understand that you're going to sow seed. But I wanted to make it plain what he was sowing, what he was telling them, what this natural example... That he's laying beside the spiritual truth that he wanted wanted them to uh, hear, but not perceive, and the, the disciples he wanted them to perceive this thing. And some seed fell by the road as he was sowing. Now, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it. And others fell by on, on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns. And the thorns came up and choked it and it yielded no crop. None. Zilch. No crop. Other seeds fell into the good soil, and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundred fold in, in some verses, some six or some thirty, some hundred fold return, a hundred times what they sell. Now, when when, it, when it's talk about thirty, forty, sixty, it was just enough to receive. I mean, if you if you if you had a, a I mean a marvelous crop, marvelous crop. You're talking about about eight times the increase normally. If, if I mean a superior crop, you I mean an unheard of crop, ten times as much. So that, this is what they're hearing now. They're hearing some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Now this is, whew, I mean this is, a, this is unheard of, unheard of. This is what they're hearing now. But he's telling them a spiritual truth, see? Let's go a little further. And he was saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now that's when the disciples got him along and said, Why are you teaching them this way? Why don't you teach them plain? I mean, just, just plain. And let's go a little further here. Let's go over to. Verse thirteen because some theologians and, and groups of people they, they, they teach that that um, this thing is very simple. I mean it's very simple. But let's go let's go and talk about this simplicity here. And he said to them in verse thirteen, Do you not understand this parable? Now remember, I've skipped back to 3 through 9. But if you're thinking they were asking him about the parable, they were asking him, why are you teaching this way? Tell us about this parable. Then he's explaining it to them. Do you not understand this parable? Why would he ask them that question? Do you not understand this parable? Was it because of the simplicity? And he says... How will you understand all the parables? All the parables. Now, that's a question that, or two questions, I had to wrestle with. Why did you tell them, do you not understand this parable? Were they supposed to be so intelligent? They're supposed to be so quick and swift to understand spiritual things out of natural situations that this was simple. That's what some theologians say. And then why would he say, how will you understand all the parables? All? I mean, every parable in the Bible, I have, I have a book that, that, that it's, a, it's, a, it's a book, a thick book, and it says all the parables of, of the Bible. And, and it, it talks about all the parables of the Bible. So in Mark, he's going he's gonna to talk about four. And we'll, we'll get to four. The, the sower is one of them. All of them? You're supposed to know about all these parables if you know about this one. Is that what he meant? Why in the world would a person then not understand the parable of the soul? If this parable is going to explain to you all the parables. I said, "Oh, this is this is awesome." Now let's let's cover the, the first one is it because it's so simple. In other words, it's so simple that if you don't understand this, is how you going to understand all the parables? This is the simplest one that I have in the here and yet you don't even get that one. Is that what he meant to them? Let's look at Matthew 16 verse 1. Let's go there. We'll come back to this and that. We're asking questions of the scripture, of the text. That's what we're asking asking questions. When you read, and I asked you to read a chapter a week, just read a chapter. And, and, you know, you should be further along than I am uh, because we're just on chapter 4. And this is is back (laughs) uh, probably about the end of May when it first started. The Pharisees, verse 1, chapter 16. The Pharisees and Sadducees came up and tested Jesus and asked him to show them a sign from heaven. But he replied to them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. In the morning, you say, there will be a storm today. The sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky but cannot discern the signs of the time? an evil and adulterous generation seeks out the sign and his sign will not be given it except the sign of Jonah and he left them and went, went away and the disciples came to the other side of the sea but they had forgotten to bring in bread okay so he got the disciples now they came along to the other side of the sea but they forgot to bring bread Jesus said to them watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, leaven is, is most of the time, more times than not spoken of, of something not desirable. And so he says, beware of the leaven of the, of the Pharisees. Now, how hard is that to understand? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, they have to know, what do you mean? When you said beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, because leaven, it, uh, the ladies know it. The men probably don't know. Uh, <laughs> leaven, you, you put that. You you cook, don't you? You you put leaven in, in in bread or something when you're making it up. And, and what does it do to the bread? It helps it arise, It causes it to rise. It changes that bread, right? It changes that, that dough that, into that dough, and then it rises. It changes everything around in that thing. And you sit in the refrigerator, whatever you do, put a little cloth over it, you see people put a little cloth over it, and you see it rising, things like that. It's, it's going to cause some, something to happen. He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, now obviously, you know that... How, now, how, how do Pharisees have leaven? Because they are not dough, you know. They, they, but but they, they, you remember, they were swift. They were quick, you know. They, 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 they could get this thing. They weren't slow, you know. Right? <laughs> Verse 7, they began to discuss this among themselves saying, he said that because we did not bring bread. See, because they are thinking that that leaven goes in bread. So he's probably talking about bread. We forgot bread. But Jesus aware of this said, you men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread. Do you not yet understand? Why did he say yet understand? Obviously, they're supposed to understand something. If they are so swift, so quick, it seemed like they would understand that. But he says, you do not yet understand or remember the five loaves and the 5,000 and how many baskets, four that you picked up? Woo. That's a low blow, isn't it? Hmm. I mean, he's already multiplied this thing. And you're talking about you didn't bring in the bread. What do I care about you bringing some bread and I can multiply bread? Don't you remember? Don't you remember? And just in case you forgot, he says, all oh, the seven loaves of the 4,000, we talking about 4,000 men, plus women, plus children, we talking about everybody was eating. And plus you were picking up Fragments and filling basket loads of it. Come on now. Why are you talking about this bread you didn't bring? How is it, verse eleven, that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Well, he all the thing he just repeated, that's what he said. Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So now he says, did you not understand I wasn't speaking about concerning bread, but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not say to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. How do they understand that now? Did, did a light bulb go off? Or did they, I mean, what, what's so marvelous made them now saying, oh, ha, we understand now. Oh, you know, we're just, we're just as some 10 years said, just, we're just kidding. We're just kidding. Yeah. We're just trying to fool you. We're just trying to check you out. Just trying to see whether you're were, you were swift, you understood. No, I believe that they were not swift. I believe they didn't understand spiritual things. I don't believe it. I mean another time we go to it, but I'm not gonna go to it. He he was saying, hey, I'm I'm getting ready to go to Jerusalem. I'm on my way to Jerusalem. They're gonna they're gonna kill the son of man, and he's gonna raise again on the third day. They were saying, What is he talking about? How plain is that? You know? <laughs> Come on now, how plain is that? I'm going. They're gonna they're gonna beat me, they're gonna spit on me, they're going they're gonna kill me. But I'm going to raise a third date. I mean, that's plain as day, but they said, uh, I don't know what he's talking about. See. I don't believe it's because of their, the simplicity of things, you see. I really don't believe that. Let's go back to, to Mark now. Chapter 4. How will you understand all the parables? Well, if he didn't, which I don't think is because of simplicity, if if, if it was not because of simplicity, then what was it about then? How will you understand all the parables? Now, this is just my take on it. I believe that he said this because this parable is a parable that explains... Oh, what he's going to be doing! Oh, what he's going to be teaching! And he's going to be teaching the same thing to everybody all the time. And he's going to use parables because that's what he wanted to do. Use parables. He already said that I'm going to use parables because it's for you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But for them, they're going to hear it and they're not going to hear. It. They're going to see it and they're not going to see. It and they're not going to understand. So that's why I teach him parables. So he's going to keep teaching him parables. So he said if you don't understand this one which is the foundation which is the most important one because in this I'm giving you an example of everything I'm going to be teaching from now on and if you understand this one you understand all of them. And that's what I believe. Let me tell you why I believe that. Because he was, he was teaching on well let's go, to, let's go to Mark chapter 1 let's, let's go there. Um, just throw them back if you got your Bible uh, to the first chapter, verse 15. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on your screen. I don't know what was in my notes, but you can find it, Carl, can't you? Okay, he got it. Now, it's talking about John the Baptist had been taken in custody, and Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, what was he saying? The time is fulfilled. The time is fulfilled. If we will go back to Matthew, of course, you'll know it's after, after the temptation, even here, it's after the, been, he's been tempted in the wilderness by Satan. It's after that. He comes out. He's now ready to go into his, his ministry now. And... He says the time is fulfilled, meaning it's ready for me to do what the Father has told me to do. Back then when I was 12, I was about to be about, about my father's business, but they said, it, my my mother, they told me, no, 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 you're not going to be about nothing, but you come with us. But now, I'm 30, and it's, I'm I'm now ready. The time is fulfilled, and it says the kingdom of God is at hand. That's what he it said. Is at hand. Yes, it is. Now, just for the sake of the seeking you turn pages pretty quick, uh, let's go to Matthew 13. I wasn't going to do this. Let's go to Matthew 13. And, and um, probably on chapter 5 somewhere, in chapter 5, uh, that's not in my notes either, but Carl is swift. He's swift. He's not like the Pharisees. He's not like the disciples were before Pentecost. He's like the disciples after Pentecost. He's swore. We're looking at uh, chapter, at wrath right he came, uh, not chapter 5, chapter 4. Oh, chapter 4. That's what I want. Chapter 4. Same account. Same, same account. He's been tempted. He comes out. Verse 17. From that, that time? What time? After he, after he came from, from being tempted. Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is what he, 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 was, he was preaching. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Go back to Mark. Mark says, chapter 5, chapter, chapter, verse, verse 1. Chapter 15, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. What's the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven? You've heard two different words there. They are are essentially the, the same thing, synonymous. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Also, he says, repent. And this is what Mark said, repent and believe in the gospel. What's the difference between the kingdom of God is at hand, the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Because he said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand in Matthew. He says the kingdom of God is at hand here. Then he says, repent and believe the gospel. Well, it's essentially the same thing. He's going to be teaching the gospel of the kingdom. That's what he's going to be doing. He could have said, so we know that the kingdom of God... The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom, uh, is the same thing as repent and believe in the gospel. Also, is the same thing if he were to say, "If he were to say, you need to know God, you need to know God." That's what John said in his gospel, chapter seventeen. He said, "We're not going there." You need to know God. He said, "This is eternal life." To know the Father and the Son whom he has sent. That's what he said. It's no different. Because eternal life, if he's going to preach the gospel, he's going to repent and believe the gospel, you're going to have to believe what is written about him. Eternal life. The gospel is eternal life. Talking about eternal life. You can't have eternal life without knowing God. You can't have eternal life without being in the kingdom of God or being in the kingdom of heaven. I believe, let's go back to chapter 4, I believe in Mark chapter 4 that when he says that how will you understand all the parables? Because that's what he's going to be teaching in every single basically parable. He's going to be teaching the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. He's going to be teaching the gospel of the kingdom, how to know God, have eternal life. That's what he's going to be doing. That's why I believe he said what he said. Now, you might have a different take, but it's okay. You might think like the other other theologians believe what I I just said also. But you can believe what you want to believe. You can believe it's simple. Or you can believe that this is very important because this is what he's saying. Now, let's go and get some understanding of this parable then in verse 14 it says these the sower verse 14 the sower sows the word now we know from Luke the sower sowing the seeds so what are seeds the word what word the word of the kingdom The word of eternal life, right? The word of knowing God. The soul sows the word. Now, it doesn't say who the soul is. Who is the soul? We can say, well, let's put it this way. If the soul is going to sow the word of the kingdom, the word of God, Jesus said, repent, the kingdom kingdom is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. So, Jesus is going to proclaim he's going to sow seeds, right? Of the word of God. Who else is going to sow them? All his disciples. Who else is going to sow them? You are. Right? You are the sower. You are sowers. If you're going to be sowing the words of the kingdom, you're going to be talking about, the gospel of the kingdom knowing Christ you are sowing the seeds that he's saying here so he's explaining this to us so we can get get all parables it won't matter he's talking about the same thing the kingdom the word of God now God talks about seed in a lot of different scriptures doesn't doesn't he? He talked about seed. And it's very important for us to understand that there are a lot of seeds. And and we know the seed is the word of God, the word of the kingdom. And so when we see sometimes a seed, we say, well, okay. Give me some more examples of this seed being sown. Do you know that your words are seeds? Your words are seeds. And I they said, see, some of you looking like deer when you look at headlights. And I see, oh, yeah, I stretch oh, yeah. Proverbs, let's go there. You can tell that those, those who are guests, you can tell that uh, this man, he, he, he likes supposed to turn page. I'm glad I didn't bring my Bible. <laughs> you know? 18, Proverbs 18. Verse 20. It says, with the fruit of a man's mouth. Now fruit will come from seeds. Is that correct? Okay. So obviously some seeds were sown and some fruit came up. It says "From, from the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied. He will be satisfied with the product of his lips. Death And life, verse 21, are in the power of the tongue. And those that love it will eat its fruit. So your tongue, your words, they are seeds also. And and if you love to talk, then know that you're sowing life or death by what you say. So that's why the scripture tells us, in the multitude of words, there one of not sin. The more you talk, the more you can make mistakes. Okay, in what you say. So the thing is to be swift to hear and slow to, yeah, and slow to anger. That's in James, right? Okay. Boy, we are quick in here. We are quick, boy. I like that. Uh, Proverbs thirty-one thirty-one. Let's go there. Your hands, what you do, can be seeds. Also, it can be seeds. Also, they are seeds. What you do, you're sowing. Also, just want to give you a variety of seeds here, uh, so you know that we're talking about. This is Proverbs thirty-one thirty-one. We're talking about the ending of the virtuous woman here. It says, "Give her." The product of her hands. Now the product of your hands will be something that she has done. Now give her the, what her hands produced. Okay. And the Proverbs 31 woman, of course, was doing, doing some good things there. So there are a lot of different seeds, including the word of God. And this is the word of God. Let's go a little further. Let's go to one that uh, we, 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 I guess is one of those things that, that it's about the heart. It's about the heart. Let's go to that, that It's about the heart. Luke. Let's go to Luke. It's about the heart. I, w- I want to establish that um, it, was, it was the two ladies that came up. Y'all, y'all did some good things. Y'all said some good things. back that was good. That was good. That was good. Yeah. Whenever that, that was good. Sometimes I think I never read my notes, but um, but I don't ever ask her about those things. She doesn't ever want to see it. My notes, Luke six, verse forty-three. Your heart, your heart. God is after your heart. That's what He's after. Your heart. And you say, okay, what is that? Does he want this beep, 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 this, this thing right here? Does he want that thing right there? He, he wants a heart transplant. What does he want? No, 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 no. We're talking about this thing right here. Right here. Between your ears. That's what we're talking about. Your heart. The center of your being. He wants, he wants your mind. He wants your will. He wants your emotions. He wants your intellect. He wants all of that under his control because the battleground is the mind. Yes. And the devil, if he can get your mind, you're no good. No good to God if he can get your mind. That's why he wants to to put people in, make them insane. You know, make them start hearing things and believing something. You know, if he can get their mind, you know, we got to say, oh, oh he ain't getting his mind. No, that's the heart. That's the center of, of our being. Out of it flows the issues of life. The the scripture says. Let's look at it here, verse 43. For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit. None. Nor, on the other hand, a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a brow pat bush. Verse 45. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. What's good? And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. In other words, out of the abundance of the heart and the mouth speak. That's why he said one, one place, there is a man who... Was looking for fruit, and the tree had produced no fruit. We're talking about three years it has produced no fruit. So he said, cut it down. It's no good to me, it's no good to anybody, cut it down, There's no fruit in this thing. And the the, the dresser on oh, no, over there said, oh, wait, wait, wait. Let's don't cut it down right now. Let me let me dress this thing, let me dig around it, let me put those stuff around it, and then next year if it don't produce any fruit, if it doesn't produce fruit, then we'll cut it down. Let me work with it. God wants fruitfulness. He wants us to bear much fruit, much fruit. In order to have fruit, you gotta have seeds. He wants you to be sowing good things. Correct? Right? Yeah, good things, good things. But it's about the heart. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. Now let's go a little further, because this this parable now, if he's talking about if he's talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the gospel of the kingdom, he's talking about eternal life, then we have to know something here. And he says that, look, let me tell you about this heart. Let me tell you how you can know because, God, I don't know a person's heart. I don't even know my own heart. And he said, let me, let me, let me show you. Let me, let me help you a little bit. Let me help you a little bit with that. Let's go to Luke chapter 12. Verse 34. Now, he says something interesting. I mean, this is interesting here. Because he tells me how I can know what's in my heart. Now, he said other things in other places. But here he's telling us something very important. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Oh. Hmm. I want to know about my heart. Where's my heart? You remember he said, love the Lord your God. The person asked him, oh, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, right? First commandment, most important. And the second one, just like it, love your neighbor just as yourself. On these two, hang the balance of the Lord. You remember that? What was he doing? Teaching them the gospel of the kingdom. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. Everything he's teaching is going to be about the gospel of the kingdom. It's about the kingdom of God. He's going to be teaching that. So he's teaching them, hey, it's about the heart. It's about the heart. And I, you know, when I was looking at this, I said, "Wait a minute, God! I've been missing this thing. I've been missing this thing a lot." This, this parable, He's been unfolding some stuff in me in parable. I said, "This parable right here. I thought I knew this parable. I really don't know this parable." And you tell me that where my treasure is, there my heart's going to be also. And you say it's about the heart. It's really not about the treasure. It's about the heart. That's what it's about. About the heart. He doesn't need. He doesn't need treasure. The, the, the streets of heaven are paved with, come on. He owns everything, right? The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, everything that's in it. What does he need? So, when we think, and you say, oh, well, you know, that my not here you go again. This, this dude, he's he talking about my treasure. I know he, he's going to mess up. And he was teaching pretty good. But now he's talking about my treasure. No, no, no. We're talking about your what? <laughs> your heart. <laughs> we're talking about your heart. We're talking about your heart. We're talking about eternal life. That's what we're talking about. Eternal life. The gospel of the kingdom. That's what we're talking about. And see, we think he's talking about money. And he's, he's using that as a... You remember that parable? He's laying something beside... A spiritual truth aside, something natural. They understood treasure. They understood when he said treasure. He, they, he knew he was talking about, no, wasn't talking about Captain Hook. He, he, knew, he knew that. They weren't talking about that. He, they knew he was talking about possessions and things like that. They understood that, but he was trying to give them a, a parallel here. I'm talking about the heart. Where well, your treasure is, there your heart be. There. I want you to understand what your, where your heart is. That's what I want you to understand. Because you say, you love me with all your heart. You say that. But do you really? Do you really? For well, your treasures is there. Your heart is also. Now let me, let me give you another example. Let's go to Mark chapter 12. This is so good to me. I couldn't even sleep last night. It, it, it wasn't because it was so good to me. But it was because I was, I was laying there. I was asking God. was God, okay, uh, I wouldn't need to sleep because I got to get up here in a few, four hours Let uh, let me, let me. Um, and I was laying there 11.30, went to bed, 11.30, 12.30 I'm still laying there, wide, wide open eyes I said, oh man, the am asleep. ooh, I can't go to sleep so I got up and I said I should pray nope, I'm going I'm to study some more of the word and I, I was there from I think 12.30 to 3.15 and I said okay, I jumped back into bed maybe I can go to sleep now and I fell asleep, woke up at 7.30, got back in the Word, and I stayed in the Word till I came here. And this was so important. Uh, Mark, are you there yet? Uh, Mark, well, I'm not. Um, <laughs> Mark chapter 12. Um, and I wanted, I wanted to look and see where somewhere he was talking to him about something very important there. 41, I think it's somewhere. 41, where is it? There you go. Okay, Mark twelve forty one. Right, well, here we go. You wouldn't believe this. If, 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 if I did this, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here if I did this. Jesus did this. Jesus did it. How many of you want to do what Jesus did? How many of I mean, you? Yeah. And he sat, who's it to who's it he? Jesus. Because he is somebody... And he sat opposite the treasurer. What are you talking about the opposite of the treasurer? You know, some churches when I grew up, they, they, everybody, the church, Ebenezer Baptist Church, um, and everybody, when it was time to give offering, they didn't pass no baskets. You got up, and you came, and you put your money on the table. You went back to your seat. And, and I was looking and said, hey, man, oh, Sister Sue didn't get up. You know? <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, you, you, this, this was happening when I was growing up. Really? It was crazy, man. They knew, they knew what you was giving for they said, Man, look at that, man. They didn't put in there some coins, man. Look at that. I was little back then. I went to church with my mom. I was little. But I watched that stuff. I saw it. I said, I'll never do that, man. That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. But Jesus was sitting opposite the treasure there and began observing how the people were putting money into the treasure. Why was he doing that? Was he really... You know, uh, what was he? I mean, is he, what, is he, what is he doing? And many rich people were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. Calling his disciples to him, so he's sitting there, they're walking, hey, hey, come here. They had to get up and they had to come. And now they're, they're standing there, they're still marching around putting up something. He said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasure. Why did he say that? For they all put in out of their surplus, and that's that's forty, fifty-two, in the strong, which which means that it's one's abundance, what what you don't really need. Okay? It's really what you don't need because you have abundance. And so, so what you don't need, then I said, hey, you, you put it in. So you're putting in, the rich people putting in large, large sums of money. But she, out of her poverty, that's 5304 and strong, that means out of her need. Man, you say, well, I need all I have. I, I give out of my need too. no, 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 no. We think that, but we don't read all of of what it says. We just, we we don't want to give, so what we do, we just, you know, he's talking about the heart. She put in all she owned. Did y'all read that? I mean, it's on the screen. There it is right there. Put in all she owned. Now, that, that turns different. It's not just out of her poverty she put in something out of her poverty, she put in all she owned. And if that's not enough, let me tell you what else she did. What that, what that two cent or that one cent two copper coins was. All she had to live on. Not what they she, they, she needed, you know, just to help pay a couple of bills. All she had to live on. Now that puts a different take on it, doesn't it? That puts a take, different take on it. Oh, He's talking about the heart, the heart, the heart. You know, this is so good. Ooh, this is so good. <laughs> let me give you one other uh, example here of what he was talking about. The, let me see which one I want to do. Let's go to Luke 18, 18. Let's go there. In Luke 18, 18, this is a rich, young ruler. The rich, young ruler, ruler is 18, 18. Uh, he questioned, a good, good, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the, you know the commandments? Come on, do not... Commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not uh, bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he said, oh, these I've done. I've kept these from my youth up. Uh, uh, ding, ding. Okay, right. You know. Well, that sounds good. That sounds good, you know. Now, this, tell, this is telling us now that he was doing good things. He wasn't even doing anything bad. Nothing bad. Nothing bad. Keeping the commandments best he could. And he said, all these things I've done, I've kept from my youth up. When Jesus heard this, he said, one thing you still like. Now, what, what, what question did he ask him to start with? What question did the, the, the young ruler ask? What must I do to e- inherit what? Eternal Life. Even when I said that the kingdom of God, this whole parables, all these parables, if you don't understand the, the one about the soul, you're not going to understand all of them because all of them talking about the, the, the gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, eternal life. He says, one thing you like. Well, if you like it, that, that means you're not going to get in. If you don't have it, <laughs> you, you know, you ask about eternal life, you, you like this right here, man. You're not going nowhere until you get this thing straight right here. I'm going to help you get this thing straight. One thing you like, sell all you possess. All, he didn't say some, all you possess, and distribute it to the poor. And you shall have treasure in heaven. There's a word treasure again, in heaven. See, he had treasure on earth, treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. Ooh. But when, he's, when he heard this, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Now why was he saying? Listen to what Jesus said. Looked at him and said, How hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God? So he's still talking about the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They who heard it said, Then who can be saved? Oh, you remember I'm talking about salvation, you remember? He he Who can be saved? Who can be saved then? If you says it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, somebody who's wealthy to enter the kingdom of heaven, I want to know who can be saved. In I thought sure a rich person. I thought sure because they give a lot of money. Man, that they, they do all things. This man right here, he kept all the commandments. He's done everything. He gives more than anybody else. But he said, the things which are impossible with people are possible with God. Peter said to him, Behold, we have left everything. Come on, man. God, we left everything. We left our boats, man. Come on. We left everything, our homes, and followed you. And you're telling us that, that, that it's impossible for men? I thought I had eternal life. Come on, God. He says to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children. For the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times as much at this time. What do you mean this time? Now in this present time. When you, get, when you decide you're going to give up something for the kingdom of God, you're going to in this time receive back what you've given up. And it says right here, many times as much at this time. And in the age to come, what else? Eternal life. Eternal life. So what did a rich young ruler give up? Everything. Didn't he? He gave up everything. God was trying to give him the opportunity, not only for salvation, because that's what he asked for. Wasn't it? But to get his heart right. Because his heart was not right, because God is after the heart, right? God is after the heart. Can I give you one more thing? Oh, I know it's time. Okay, let me give you one more thing. Let me. Luke 12. Let's go back to Luke 12. 13, verse 13. Quickly, we get there. Ooh. This one now. says, so Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family and with me. So, oh, he's talking about money. Yeah, he's talking about money. And he said, Man, who appointed me judge and arbitrate over you? Then he said to them, "Okay, here's a parable. Beware of, beware, and be on your guard against every form of greed." Now that, he's telling us all that, for not even when one has an abundance does he, does his life consist of his possessions. Then he told them a parable. Here it is, a parable. What is this parable talking about? Now, you know, he's answering the question of this man who asked about his inheritance, right? But God is taking this opportunity to give him a parable and tell him he's using money, but he's telling him about what? Eternal life. He's telling him about the gospel of the kingdom. He's telling him about the, the kingdom of heaven. He says, here's a parable. Hey, a rich man, let me tell you this parable. A rich man was very productive. And began reason to himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, Oh, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my buns and build large ones, and, and there I will store my, all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease and drink and eat and, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. Now who will own what you have prepared when I was thinking about that I said ooh that's not good I said oh that's not good because see you, you tell me man, I, I you tell me I can't even store up something for retirement come on God man I gotta I can't, what am I do? what am I doing he tore down his bonds didn't he he tore down his bonds Say, hey, I know what I'm going to do I'm going I'm to save for retirement yeah. is he saying that you can't do that. Listen to what he says. See, he, he, he's teaching about eternal life, isn't he? Teaching about eternal life, the kingdom of kingdom. He says, so is the man, meaning that he says your, your life is going to be uh, required of you tonight. Then who's going to have what you own? Let's look at it. So the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And is not rich towards God. He did not say so is the man who stores up treasure for himself. He said, but is not rich towards God. What is he after? He's after your heart. You said you love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. So he's saying that if you love me as you say, I'm going to tell you where your heart is. I'm going to help you to see where your heart is because I want you to... Understand that I want you to have eternal life, I want you to be with me eternity, but it's your heart that's going to keep you away, or your heart is going to bring you near, and your heart is determined a lot of times by your possessions because it is mammon, it is uh, the god of this world, it is an idol to this society, and it was for that society also, it's an idol. An idol, not this wooden carved thing that we do, but it's that's what we want to do. We want to hold on to it. We like the man about, uh, uh, he said, share my inheritance, tell them to divide my inheritance. He said, be aware of all forms of greed. Forms of greed can be if you just have enough to. The whole on, just like the widow woman of Zarephath, she had just enough for her to eat, her son to eat this one little cake, and then they're gonna die. And the the man of God said, no, 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 you don't understand. You have to first sow a seed. You got to first give, go bake meal cake first, and then do what you say. You make yourself and your son a cake and then die. Make me one first. She made him one first, and the oil and the meal, the flour never gave out. Never gave out because God provided for her because she's so. But if she would have eaten, she would have died. And God would have sent Elijah somewhere else. So he's saying that, yeah, I want you to be rich towards me. That's what I want you to do. Where your heart is, there are your treasures also. Oh, man. I said, "Ooh, God. That's important, man. Whoo, that's important. Because people don't understand that. People don't know, they, 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 a lot of people, we eat our seeds sometimes, don't we? The seed we're supposed to be sowing, we eat. And God says, no, don't do that. Every church, every church uh, that I know of, and I've talked to, uh, there's a lot of churches in impact churches, and about more in GCI churches, and when I was talking to... Uh, Different people, and I've talked to people in Creedmo, North Carolina, the Timberlake, everybody, they said the summer months is the usual months that, that every church, they have, don't have enough money, usually because people, they are not there. People go on vacation, and when they go on vacation, what they do is they eat their seed. What do you mean eat their seed? They don't, when, they don't, if you, if you, do you understand that, that when you go away, do you understand that you're going to still have to pay your mortgage when you get back? you going to still have to play your electricity? Well then, do you know that God's works has to go on, so don't you know that you don't want to take what belongs to God and then use it for yourself and then act like, you know, he didn't need it anyway. It doesn't have, he doesn't need it. <laughs> he doesn't. But the fact is, you do. Because you have to know where your heart is. So you got to say, my, got, my treasure is right here. My treasure is with you. So therefore, I am always going to sow Right there where, where you told me, so I'm going to give to the poor. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. And, and, and if I don't have enough to eat, I just don't have enough to eat. Because you also said, hey, the birds don't, they don't, they don't stow up. They don't do anything. You feed them too. And you love me more than the birds. See, he said all that because he said that in Matthew right after he said about you can't serve God in mammon. That's what he said. So I'm trying to explain to us that God Is after your heart. And the only way you're going to know where your heart is is by reading what he said. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So he takes something natural example, and he says that you're concerned about being rich. This is back in those days. You're concerned about your possessions and all those type of things. Let me tell you something. Um, I'm After your heart, don't you try to serve all these things Serve me. You can't serve me and serve that too. Serve me. That's what he's saying. Okay? And that's what he's telling us today. And that's just one of it. One part I have some more scripture, but it's so good. Next week now, next week, uh, you know, I've just, all of this, just got that one, just the, just the part where on Wayside. I haven't even finished Wayside. Do you understand it? I am finished wayside because wayside is important because you're going you want to know, you're going to want to know that, huh, why is it that this seed fell on the wayside? Why did it fall on the wayside? What are you trying to tell us on that wayside there? Because if you're sowing the word of God, how can I make sure it's sown on this fertile ground that's been uh, plowed up and ready for the seed, how can I make sure it's not on, this, on, the, on the wayside, on the trampled ground, that the birds are going to come in and get it? What does it mean to do that? And why, do, why did it, the, the birds come and eat the seed up? I don't want to be eating the seed up. you gotta, you got to know. Next week. Next week. We have some other good things next week. We, gotta, we, we have a um, baptism. So if, you, if you're saved and haven't been baptized... I think we have one, two, three, four. I know we have at least four people to be baptized. And if any more, then we're going to, the baptism is right on the other there. We're going to open up the floor and uh, this, after the worship team leaves. And um, so we're going to go in the water. Let's stand to our feet. God's good. He's good. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church.